0: Hey, everybody, it's Luke. If you follow our Twitter feed, you know that we had a little bit of a glitch with this episode. When I was copying the file over to my computer, we lost about ten minutes of the end of the second segment where we were talking about wasteland. So we ended up re-recording a part of that segment, just Eddie and I, uh, this morning, and uh, editing that into the show. And I just wanted to let you know that it's it's there, and we apologize that there there was a glitch and that we're you know we're missing a pretty good discussion that we had with with Joel and Andy and Eddie and I. But uh, we think we got it filled in adequately. Quickly and so, hopefully, you guys will still enjoy episode 54 of Trade Secrets, all about Wasteland.
1: That's like playing pretend with five year olds.
0: Oh, that Spider Man, he was just a clone. Did I just have a stroke? <laughs>
1: Welcome to the
0: Trade Secrets Podcast. I have tough skin, apparently. I did not know I had this power. Comic book talk by comic book geeks just like you. What we did not know was that Nikolai Tesla was the original designer of the Fleshlight. Welcome, everybody, to episode 54 of the Trade Secrets Podcast. Uh, This has been. A fucked up morning. (laughs) Uh, It has taken us a long damn time to get this shit in Um, here. It is no longer morning. 1245. Uh, I am Luke. I am joined by... Eddie Isaac. Ah, konnichiwa. Joel Simon. Hey. Andy Padel. Sup. Uh, <laughs> Sup, bro. I'll let you have that one. Ann <laughs> uh, is at Geek Girl Con today, so that's why she's not going to be on the show. Um, but we are going to be talking about Oni Press's, um, Oni Press's Wasteland. Uh, it is a, I think. Who I don't know. the the one that I read was the one that I read was twelve issues, but it seems like everybody else read the first six. Six, okay, cool. Uh, so we're going to be talking about volume one, the first six issues of Wasteland by Anthony Johnston and Christopher Mitten. Um, but as we start every show, uh, we'll go around and talk about what people are reading and what they want to talk about. And I'm not reading. I'm just going to say this real fast because this is going to be my my c- contribution. Uh, I'm not. Um, fast. You're not, fast, it, it, was you fast. Know, it was fast. It was not fast it's anymore. Not uh, uh, I read, uh, a new book out called letter 44. That is, uh, it's pretty good. It's, it's about, um, the premises new incoming president. Uh, every, every new incoming president gets a letter from the previous president on their desk in the, uh, when they come into office. And this one is the, the 44th of those letters An incoming president. Um, Gets the letter and finds out that um, aliens are real. Please, dear God, tell me it's that. Yeah. Alien. Oh shit. No, no. He. F- <laughs> what he finds out is that there is a, there is a group of um, what they believe that there is a group of aliens uh, amassing a force in the asteroid belt near Jupiter, and. So there's all these things that the previous president has done that are kind of kind of a little bit of headline ripping uh where um like the previous president got us involved in a bunch of wars that we shouldn't have been involved in per se and we were we were sending soldiers everywhere um and it turns out uh and he he was like increasing our defense spending out out the roof and uh the premise being that the previous president was doing all of this in order to increase R and D for uh, weapons that could defend us against aliens and sending all of these soldiers out to war so that we would have more combat veterans to lead, um, to lead, Attacks and defense against the aliens, nice. um, and so this this president that's incoming, of course, gets elected on the premise that he's going to turn everything around and he's going to stop sending us on useless <laughs> missions and he's going to stop you know getting defense spending. And then he gets this letter and we find out that aliens are real and it oh shit. shits oh shit. all over his plans. Mm-hmm. Um, and Obama, so gosh. it's kind of it's kind of it's split it. between two things. It's split between the president on Earth dealing with all the bullshit that uh, has come from this letter and. They're sending an expedition out to find out what's actually going on in the in the Jupiter's in belt. asteroid belt. It's pretty good. Um, it's not it's not the best thing I've ever read, but it's it's definitely up in the up in the upper reaches. Uh,
2: um, Oni Press. I think it is.
0: I think it's Oni, yeah.
2: yeah. I think you might be right. That, you know, it, that's kinda of funny because when I got your, your super duper gunslinger edition. That's what I was gonna talk about next. Yeah, when I got your gunslinger edition, they they gave me those two they gave me those issues also, letter forty four and something else. And I couldn't carry I had too much stuff so I couldn't carry them so I just trashed them. It sounds like maybe I shouldn't have. You were at a comic book <clears throat> convention. Why didn't you just give them to someone who
0: like reads comics? Because eh. Joel's about self. <laughs> Fuck it. I'm just going to throw him away.
2: <laughs> that because, because I was around an area That's awesome. We're, we're reviewing
0: a fucking Oni Press book today, and now I'm you're telling everybody on the air how you just th- threw, threw away, away their Oni shit. Okay, you can
2: edit that out. Jesus you Christ. You can edit that. No, I'm not I, editing no, I'm honestly, not editing shit so. out, bitch. You're I'm going to make <sighs> you look
0: exactly the way, gonna, way you look. You're going to become the Oni Press villain. <laughs> <laughs> Damn
2: it. No, well, it's... So,
0: yeah. so speaking of that, uh, Joel <laughs> brought me back uh, the Gunslinger edition of, of Sixth Gun from New York Comic Con. It's a limited edition. So they're they're doing an oversized hardcover already that has the first eleven issues of the comic book in it. Uh, this is like a super special version of that oversized hardcover. Comes in a this fucking awesome box that looks like uh, looks like Hume's coffin. Uh, when you open up. Uh, when you open up the lid, it's got, like, scratches on the inside of the lid, and then the the um, dust jacket for the book looks like Hume, Hume in his coffin. Uh, if you take the dust jacket off, it's this really awesome, like, leatherette bound, brown leatherette bound book with the, uh, with the six-gun symbols embossed in it and in gold. Uh, the fucking interior pages are amazing because they did this. They, like, printed them on matte paper instead of glossy paper, and the way that the color palette... Um, it kind of changes the color palette of the book. It's not quite as bright, but the way that they did it is absolutely perfect for the mood of this book. Um, it is it is one of the nicest collected edition books I've ever seen. It's the best,
1: like as far as quality goes, uh, collection. I flat. Out, I'll, I'll say it's the best I've ever seen. Yeah, it's I'm, like I saw it and I'm like, okay, I got to buy this now. I yeah, need to buy this. Fucking
0: stunning. It's 120 dollars. It's worth every goddamn penny. Um, yeah, they only they only make one thousand. Excuse me, they only made a thousand of them. They're all signed and numbered, so they're signed by uh, Cullen Bunn and Brian Hurt and Bill Crabtree. Uh, and they, uh, I got Joel got me number twenty five out of a thousand. Uh, it is, it's amazing. Uh, Oni Press does not fuck around. God, I want six 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 out of a thousand so bad. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no doubt,
2: and it was a bitch to bring back yeah it's
1: it's it's a big enough book to club a small child to yeah death. yeah i mean it's yeah. absolutes absolute edition size only, it's only took absolute. seven
2: so it was it's, it's humongous seven blocks through new york that that wasn't too How too much fun. fun and then i had these extra issues to me so I was like nah, i can't really carry these and you, have only, you come back it and was it. only two comic
1: books right yeah that's like 14 ounces
0: you have this I, giant fucking thing that you have to you have to <laughs> which stuff you into. A... he's like this is just too much. Sorry, collectors what? edition. <laughs> You're right. Well, no, <laughs> no, I'm just saying you could have stuffed them like on top of the box that that this was in, and then just stuff stuff around it. It's like it, it no, would no, not have taken no. up that much Carrie, extra space because
2: they were already getting folded and manhandled while I was at the convention because I had to put them away and hide them, and they, sure. uh, they got fuckered up.
0: Sure. We have a person on our show that throws away comic books. I'm mm. not sure I'm okay with this.
3: insane. I think you just got voted off the Islander.
0: <laughs> so I Joel would, ask you, I would yep. ask you what you've been reading, but you probably just chucked just it all. Just throw it away. So, throw Andy, it away. what have you been reading? <laughs> um,
1: first off, I'm going to talk about Dogs of War, which is a book by Sheila Keenan and uh, Nathan Fox. Um, Nathan Fox, <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure I've talked about a few times before. Uh, it's all about World War II, and um, specifically uh, the dogs that got deployed with soldiers. Okay. Okay. Um, Actually, I don't know if the second or third story is... I'm pretty sure it's all World War II. Uh, the first story has to do with a rescue dog. World um, War I, II, and Vietnam. World War, is it Vietnam is the third one? Yeah. Okay. Um, but it has to do with the people's relationships with uh, their canine battle combatants and just stories having to do with them. It's surprisingly happy for the source material. Hmm. Um, I would highly recommend it if you like World War II because it's a, a take on stories that you don't see that often. Um and Nathan Fox's art as always is amazing. I love every single thing that, that
3: guy does. To I don't know what you just said. It's really funny because uh I recently saw Riddick and the the first act deals with his relationship with a uh, a dog that he takes from from the um from the the, the prison. The, no, no, not the dog mm-hmm. from the prison. He takes he takes this dog from a, a dog pack, a pup and raises it as his own. And the first act of the movie is actually really good because that's what it deals with. It's just his relationship with the dog them traveling over the planet, how they communicate and stuff like that. And so it's uh, that that actually made the movie really interesting just you know cuz you brought that up that you're reading that.
0: And speaking of that, just just to as a side note, I remember listening to people, I haven't seen Riddick yet, but I there's a lot of people who were bitching about that part. And there were there was there were actually people who were saying, "Oh, it's it's a, totally out of character for Riddick." No. And it and all I can think of is nobody has watched these movies, have they? Because in every movie he makes a connection with an animal at some point. Uh-huh. Some somehow, In Chronicles of Riddick. He had the whole thing with the the, the prison dog, the, the lava dog. Yeah. yeah, right.
3: <laughs> the prison dog. Yeah, like he he actually uh, he references himself to being more animal-like. Yeah. Yeah. yeah so I was like, I don't know what people are talking about. They obviously don't the fuck they're watching.
0: I mean, the fucking opening crawl from Pitch Black. He talks about how. Um, the reason he's awake in cryo-sleep is because the animal side of his brain is still alive. Yeah, still exactly. Yeah. So, it's so like,
3: why
1: not? Uh, so other than that, <laughs> I'm going to give one brief story from this morning that I thought was rather comical. I decided to read Rat Queens and the Sex Criminals, and I was just getting into Sex Criminals, and we're all sitting around, and I'm like, okay, guys, look, I haven't read this yet. <laughs> Don't spoil it. And Joel, not paying attention, goes, well, what's the spoiler? Ha! <laughs> Don't, don't actually I'm, I'm say not, the I'm not, spoiler. I'm not going <laughs> to say the spoiler. And then Eddie's like, oh, it's blah, 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 blah. I'm like, what the fuck, guys? Come on. You know, here's <laughs> the fight." thing. Said, the thing
2: is, you didn't vocalize that. I did because vocalize no, you that. You said, hey, it's sex criminals. And I was like, oh, wow. So what's the spoiler on that? You didn't know. You didn't say anything. And Eddie said it. It's like, I haven't read it. Because I, mean, I wouldn't have said anything. If, you should have you used your that. JoJo
3: power. Time freeze. It, and <laughs> but you didn't. So it's your fault.
2: It the was... One of those examples of the voice in your head that you didn't vocalize. The
3: funny thing is, right? I'm a member of uh, stashmycomics.com. That's how I keep track of you know everything that I have. And they do, every month, they do like comics for noobs. One of the ones they did was sex group titles. And they don't tell you spoiler alert at the beginning. So when they're reviewing these comics, they tell you initially what the comic is about. Yeah. And, uh, and so I just read it and I was like, oh, okay, that seemed pretty cool. So I don't think that, I don't, there's certain <laughs> things that we talk about, about spoilers, that, where it doesn't totally ruin it for you. It's because still reading it or seeing it yourself is different. I could tell you the plot to a movie, but if you read it or you, or you read the book or see the movie yourself... It's
0: different than it's, just knowing yeah. the, the And outline. that's the thing about Sex Criminals for me was that um, I I luckily I did not have it spoiled for me. After I read it, I went and read some like reviews and I read some preview stuff. Mm-hmm. And even the preview stuff, they tell you what it's about. Yeah. But my thing about it was that I my experience having read it without it being spoiled was fucking amazing so mm. i didn't i wanted to make sure as best i could and
1: it's it's not that much of a big deal at the spoiler it was just the fact that i'm like hey i'm just reading this give me a minute and you're yeah. Like, yeah i'm like
3: well why, i just why why would, why andy you if there's ever a time I when i can ruin a happy moment back, in your life so, uh, i will thank you <laughs> <I'm> right ready <laughs> if you tell me that something makes you happy i will spoil it for you yeah. so you should just know that i'll figure out a way Get mm-hmm. back you back. and you you, just you'll give me a list yours. of the top five <laughs> things. Just <laughs> Wait, give me what? just give me a list of the top five things in your life that make you happy, and I will destroy them. There's nothing. Mm.
0: I'm four episodes into Breaking Bad, so don't spoil it for me. Oh, so, you anyway, at the end, so, at the end uh, of season yeah. four, when and methamphetamine
3: and what so on. So. <laughs> All right, so that's it for me. Any anyway, what you got going on? Uh, Batman Zero Year which is i think coming to a conclusion soon uh Scott Snyder Greg Capullo everybody knows that best creative to my in my in my opinion one of if not the best creative team right now working on a book um
0: and, and as opposed to the best creative team not working on a book yeah right yeah i know right <laughs> yeah, wouldn't exactly. that be the Batwoman team <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh. Zing. honestly that no that would be the fearless defenders team now okay
3: yeah oh jeez what the
1: fuck is
0: Marvel
3: thinking I can tell you you know what the funny thing is about bad one I can tell you I can I've read a lot of number one issues especially out of DC New 52 and other things and I'm gonna tell you like if that first book doesn't do anything for me then that shit gets pitched over the shoulder and honestly we we
1: call that simoning it
3: yeah (laughs) (laughs) I'm a simon yeah I simon that shit and <sighs> Batwoman, you Batwoman, got Simonized. Batwoman got Simonized. It got Simon. That was like over his yeah, shoulder. Yeah,
0: you know that's the thing is that I've I've heard that from several people actually, like um, talking on mostly on Twitter and stuff that. Yeah, it's sad that Batwoman got kind of screwed up, but then a lot of people were like, yeah, it really, it really wasn't, wasn't that great that anyway. anyway. So, so, and that's kind of to be honest, that's kind of the way like the, that's the whole new 52. And now I've heard, now you would know better than I, but I heard that they're doing some like five-year f- jump forward thing now. No, like what's gonna, going on right now? What's going on right now is the first DC,
3: the second DC wide event. The first one was Trinity War. Which crossed over into like just basically a lot of the Justice League esque titles. But um the second event is called Forever Evil, in which I was telling you guys to start reading last week. And that is that event is like exploded. a jump forward. Right. That's a jump forward. And I and it's and it's something that I think is what's gonna wrap up is something that can be prevented. And, you know, there's gonna be some events that can actually prevent it from happening. But what it does is it pulls from the first universe, it pulls uh, infinite Pieces of uh, cri- uh, crisis on infinite Earths. crisis on infinite Earths into the into the new fifty two. So um, did you just say crisis on infinite Earths? I might have said <laughs> Earths. I might have, Earths. I, I might have just took that th and made it an f.
1: Will Smith has invaded the DC universe.
3: Earths, yeah. <laughs> yes. Yes. Welcome to Earth, bitch. But um, the other thing I'm reading is the Infinity. The I think it's the first Marvel like Marvel now wide event. Um, which pretty, it's pretty much so. It's pretty much a retelling of a Thanos story. Yeah. And go ahead. And, and, then in, and then I'm gonna and it's something. it's six issues and it crosses over into various other Marvel titles, but it's it's pretty much like Thanos has come up with this inconceivable plot of a way to draw the Avengers off of Earth so he can attack Earth, and it works.
2: <laughs> there we cool. go. There there we go. And so, and uh, does it does it have anything to do with the Infinity Gauntlet?
3: I don't I don't know if that's what they're leading into, but this one basically so in Thanos in Thanos Rising they talk about Thanos' quest to kill all the children he has fathered. And apparently one of he fathered a child on Earth and that's his goal to kill his last child.
2: So he has huh. to destroy Earth in order to Kill this child. So who's yeah it, because,
3: he, because he doesn't do anything simple like find that person and kill him. If that person is on a planet, Thanos decides to destroy the planet to ensure that he kills them.
0: Yeah. Okay. okay. So here's here's what I was talking about. This is a, this this is out of an article on Bleeding Cool, but it says uh, there's not just one weekly comic planned by DC Comics in 2014, but three: a super book, a bat book, and one a book exploring the near future of the DC universe set five years later. Five years later, we'll spin out of the planned September event, which sees every book skip forward in time five years in their future for that month only. Uh, so basically, and, and here's here's what here's what fucking bothers me about this. It says, um, Originally, the weekly was designed to flesh out the past of the New 52 and join up some of the dots and fill in the gaps left by the DC relaunch. Mm-hmm. So... If I'm not mistaken, what they are saying now is that they're taking a book and they're they're taking all the books in the New 52 after they rebooted their universe and got rid of all of their previous canon or most of their previous canon. And now they're going to have a weekly series that skips forward five years so that they can fill in the history that they fucking erased. So why the (laughs) fuck do the New 52 in the first place?
3: Because mm, to to explain to explain the right, outcome so. to, to explain the outcome of Flashpoint,
0: it doesn't fucking matter. They're goddamn fucking. It's <laughs> so it's so fucking stupid. How many different ways can DC find to alienate their readers? And
3: but the thing is is that they didn't they honestly they really no.
0: didn't actually get rid of any of their previous canon. They disguised <laughs> they, got rid of they disguised most the, of their previous <laughs> canon. And, it, no. they, and then they, some they, of it is like sort of the, They
3: disguised the, it with Flashpoint. What they did was it still happened but they disguised it with Flashpoint which which allowed the reboot. It's it's
1: yeah. the new crossover it's event is going to be you're going to get different DC books and as you open each book you get punched in the ball, <laughs> superhero
0: or supervillain, and it really depends on your fandom. If you're a huge DC fan, you get punched way harder. Yeah. I
3: mean, yeah. the the cool thing though is, um, I know in the I'm new Wonder Woman book, she steps directly on your nuts with, <laughs> with the heels. She's wearing the heels again, um, but the DC just filmed, finished up their villains month, which was actually pretty cool. Uh a lot of the books interlock with uh certain canon certain can new fifty two but there was actually some of them that were absolutely horrible like dial e got horrible reviews um some of the books made entirely no sense of who they were affiliated with because honestly a lot of people have horribly horrible villains like I will tell you the flash he he fights with spider man to me in having them lineup of the worst villains <laughs> the rogues the rogues Do, gallery the boomerang yeah captain boomerang uh and it, let me let's, ask you another let's question. Find why every does, other speedster yeah, in the DC universe yeah, and throw reverse, them at the Flash. Reverse Flash. <laughs> and wait, why? But why does Professor why does central Zoom. Why does C- Central City have like sixty thousand ice villains? <laughs> like seriously, is that their goal? They're like, hey, if we've just mastered ICE, we just master ice. we is stop Flash? Because isn't
0: Central City basically fucking Minneapolis? So. <laughs> I think it is. I think it is. It's, I like think, it, I think it's, it's just is. stuck in the fucking snow anyway. It's well, like Batman,
1: we've defeated Captain Cold, Mr. Freeze. The,
0: Captain Cold, Mr. And
3: Freeze, Ice King. It's <laughs> Killer Frost. Like
1: Apparently, there's a new villain on the beat called The
0: Refrigerator. Yeah, there is, seriously. DC.
1: I think DC has an affinity. Icebox. Uh, after
0: D- he played for the Bears, he had nothing better to do with his yeah, time. Perry I, White seems I, to have gone amuck.
3: I think. DC has an affinity for, like, ice villains. I've never seen such a lineup of ice villains in a universe. Like, they have a lot of them. It's called
0: uh, lack of originality. That's what DC is all about. Because Marvel
1: has, like, what?
3: Like, a couple...
1: Mr. What?
0: Freeze is like Batman. How could you defeat me? I wore a parka.
3: Yeah, exactly. <laughs> DC stands for doesn't count. I got these hand warmers, and uh, they pretty much spoil <laughs> all your plans. It's funny, like in
1: my in my in one of my bat pouches, I have this little thing, and you snap it open, and it warms up your hands. Yeah. It's amazing. Hey, Mr. Freeze, write the fuck out. Hey, Mr.
3: Freeze, check this out. Campfire bow <laughs> <laughs> done.
0: Melt the motherfucker, and then Aquaman <laughs> swims in him. <laughs> Aquaman. <laughs> I'm still of no use. <laughs> <laughs> Aquaman. That'd be awesome. Melt an ice villain, and then Aquaman <laughs> controls the water. <laughs> and wow! wow. Just spinning around over over him around over the Aquaman. And these are still better ideas than what most of the DC universe is doing.
3: But right here, here's the worst thing I've seen, and then I'll get off my soapbox. In the Injustice comic book based off the Injustice game, Damian Wayne, who, who in that universe has become Nightwing, after apparently killing Dick Grayson, right, and taking his taking right.
1: my bad. Can I have your title?
3: Yeah. <laughs> Does this is so? Su- Damian Wayne, Super Ninja, genetically modified. Every time from,
0: you say Damian Wayne, I hear Damon Wayans.
3: <laughs> in the new Fifty Two, Damian Wayne will be played by Damian Wayans because of the the, oh, the similarity <laughs> in name. name similarity, and that's it. So anyway, he kills so, Dick Grayson. And, so he kills Dick Grayson to become Nightwing, as I as I understand it. This is how he. This is how he gets fucked up in the comic book. Super Super Ninja Damian Wayne with Batman and and uh, Talia Al DNA trained in all forms of martial arts and everything. Super Killer slips on a rock and hits his fucking head. What? Yep. Seriously? Yep. Wait. What? Yes. I hit him with a rock. <laughs> this motherfucker gets killed. <laughs> he gets killed by our fucking rock. That's that's amazing. That's awesome. God.
2: Batman slips and falls in the bathtub. <laughs> now he's the oracle. Mr. Freeze um, makes
3: into, makes a makes a that's like that's like Mr. Freeze making a bad choice and drinking a hot pot of coffee. <laughs> it's like seriously. Like honestly mm-hmm. now I just want to continuously tweet different way different stupid ass ways to kill, kill heroes and villains.
2: Yeah. That would be one. Somebody
0: tricks Wonder Woman into being a stripper.
3: <laughs> T- takes off the bracelets. Pow. Pow. <laughs>
0: that's it. That's oh. it. What about you, Joel? What have you actually been reading?
2: So I I went on a Hickman run, and so a friend of mine was really talking about the the Avengers runs. So I read um, Avengers the the new the Marvel now Avengers, and then the uh, the new Avengers, and they're a little bit different, but they I. really like Hickman's writing. It's good stuff. Um, it was u- usual Avengers. So the normal Avengers run in Marvel now is basically they have to bring new guys, new superheroes in there. So it's all introducing everything. And they they fight this extraterrestrial baddie that sets up everything. And uh, AIM aim is thrown in there, too. It's, it's kind of weird, but it's, it was good. New Avengers has to do with the Illuminati. And this is the reason why I was asking about infinity because the Illuminati get together because there's some extra dimensional thing where earths are crashing against each other and destroying that Earth. Earths or earths, 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 earths. Okay. earths are crashing together. And so there is an event like right before it, where the two earths crash together from different dimensions and it wipes out both of those timelines, all like super cosmic marble weirdness. And so they so Captain America they get all the infinity gems together make the infinity gauntlet to push the other earth away to kind of keep off the apocalypse and it breaks it breaks the infinity gauntlet all the gems shatter except the time gem it just disappears. And later on there's this little um scene where it has like Thanos given a little smirk cuz you can feel the infinity the infinity gems being shattered. So there's some kind of super Machiavellian uh, machinations going on there. And then I read uh, East of West. I mean, you guys oh, read this? Oh, it's good. It's good. I have no idea what's going on in that. You How how far into it are you? I read the first volume. Which is six issues? Yeah. yeah it's six issues. And you it's, still don't know what's going on yet? Uh, it, they're talking about, well, kind of, it, because at first they're talking about this, the message, and it's in an alternate universe where China is now in San Francisco and taking over the west coast of, United States Did it and um,
3: that, that didn't happen already. <laughs> I thought that happened like five years ago. Uh,
2: so, it's, but it's, it's kind of like in the future, too. So, Texas is its own republic, and then there's an east and west United States by
0: 2015. That'll happen, but yeah, it's very, I mean, it's, it's post apocalyptic and oh. it's, it's it's kind of an interesting mix of a technological apocalypse and a biblical apocalypse. So, yeah,
2: yeah. so it's kind of like a sci fi wild west. Basically, the whole point is that death turns
0: on the other horseman, and it, because he falls in love with a woman, yeah. um, wow! And then and, the woman
2: turns him away. It's like, nah, I'm done with you. Yeah, and like, no, we had. And a son. in the t-
0: in the time that he has been absent from the earth since falling in love with her, she has basically uh, overthrown her own father and taken over her kingdom, and yeah. and has no and blames death for leaving her behind wow and it's and
2: having their son killed. The son's like, still um, alive, but the son is like Akira. He's being kept and he's gonna be the end of times. What's yep.
3: what's that that comic book? It was a comic book originally turned anime, uh the Sun The Daughter of Satan. Um what's her name? Uh you probably know Love this. Satana? No. no. no um uh, you guys know, I know you guys know what I'm talking about. It was a graphic novel, it was like The Daughter of Satan. Okay. And she was in hell and she was waging war pretty much against her father, who she figured out was Satan, but like the cuz like the, in that comic book the the, the son and the son of death and the woman like become ultra powerful or something They don't it, know
0: yet.
2: Yeah. Okay, okay, there, okay, okay. There's there's this cabal that's uh prepping the son to be the end of times. Yeah. Basically
0: basically trying to raise him into the antichrist yeah so
3: oh so like uh omen <laughs> a little bit
2: yeah and famine pestilence and in war are
3: playing cards somewhere <laughs>
1: they, pretty much uh it's it's They're playing like, boss uh, it's kind of all over the place uh, and boss it's monster. boss monster. and it's it's
2: mostly them setting it up because with the one thing i've noticed is with hickland hickman's plots they usually take a little bit longer to develop than just like one issue or two issues and so it he reveals stuff as as the as the story goes along and and i really liked it it was good you actually got through it without throwing it away. I it was on my it was on my tablet. It was digital, so I okay. <laughs>
1: yeah, whatever. Checks the iPad device
0: <laughs> over his shoulder. <laughs> Good
2: lord, guys! It was it was banged up. I know you guys. What if you had a ripped, unreadable, cover, unreadable? It was unreadable.
0: So you you got a free comic, and just because it's banged up, you throw it away. Mm. That's awesome. Well how done. M-
2: how many of those free comic days, book comic books, do you guys have? Uh, so I don't keep oh, them, move. but I read them.
0: Uh, on a
1: side note. I just gotta say, I have seen the stack of comics you have in your garage that you're never going to read, and I understand the rationale behind that, but I'm just saying, you have like 46 copies of the A-Team. Oni's been fucking knocking it out of the park. Yeah, they have.
0: On to the subject of what we're actually talking about. We are talking about Wasteland. It's an Oni Press book. Uh by Anthony Johnston and uh, Christopher Mitten. Um, I'm going to start this off by saying thank you very much to Anthony Johnston for not only retweeting our, our uh, Twitter announcements, but actually tweeting on our behalf to try and get us questions for the show. We still didn't get any, but... People definitely go for free shit, though. I'll yeah, t- right. Lots of fucking Twitter names was ridiculous. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so... I, I read the first twelve issues because I have um, what's called the the Wasteland Apocalyptic Edition, which is the hardcover that cl- collects the first twelve issues. Um, yet again, one of the things I'm going to say about Oni they they do not fuck around on their collected editions. Nope. Uh, I got this. I got the Apocalyptic Edition at PAX. After staring at it for two PAXs in a row, I finally bought it because I went to the Oni Press booth at PAX and bought the. Um, the hardcover special edition of uh, The Secret History of D.B. Cooper, Brian Cherilla's book. And when I was buying that, I, I was staring at these Wasteland hardcovers again and I'm like, ah, fuck it. I gotta buy it. Um, you made it's a good choice. Really so. nice red canvas bound uh, book with gold, um, like gold printing and just phenomenally high quality stuff. Yeah. Uh, so. The, that's my discussion about the uh, the, the quality of the, the presentation. The, the presentation the is just phenomenal. Um, the book came out originally, I think it was two thousand nine. Oh God, I'm so stupid. Preparation is what we're
1: you know pros at here. Agreed. As
0: Luke blankly stares first at numbers. Edi- first edition of this book was two thousand nine. So I think it's I think probably two thousand eight f- singles. Yeah. Oh God, I'm so badly prepared. Uh, this has been my morning, but anyway. Regardless of my lack of preparation, uh this book is a it's a post-apocalyptic story set in a world where the most of the planet has been um uh, destroyed decimated by, by something called the big wet uh which it's <laughs> kind if of, f- I kind of got the impression it was like a kind of a water worldy type thing where the world flooded and then the waters receded again and that was, and now we've got what's left over. That's not what I took um, out of that but go ahead. <laughs> Oh, Jesus, <laughs> um, and it centers around. I'll tell my story later. It centers around two two characters. <laughs> one one is a, a wanderer, a ruin runner named Michael, who is you know your typical post apocalyptic loner who wanders the wastes scavenging for things, yeah. um, and a uh, a woman named Abby. Who they come into. He comes into a small town called Providence, and was it Providence? Is that right? Providence um and uh what ends up happening at the very beginning of the book is you get fights. kind of you get kind of introduced to the world through Michael's eyes you know by seeing a very small sliver of it where you know he he fights these um Tuscan raiders <laughs> basically Sunners <laughs> is the sand people uh um, No they're not Sunners they they're they're called um they're called sand
3: oh jesus christ sand something yeah they're Tuscan it, Raiders. <laughs> uh, gets attacked,
0: uh, kills a couple of them, and goes into this town. Sand um, wasters.
3: sand something. What the are they called?
0: Uh, go, goes into this town to sell some of the things that he has uh, that he's collected in the wastes. Meets Abby, and unfortunately, the town gets attacked and destroyed. So By now the Tuscan Raiders. So now he basically ends up having to help the the remaining members of this town get to a place called New Begin. The Lost Jedi Order. Um, <laughs> and that's where our story begins. Uh, I so far have nothing bad to say about this. So
1: like I can't critique the the overall story at all. Um, sort of as a, a generalization, and I hate doing this, I really enjoyed the feeling that I got out of the book because it feels desolate. The direction and the art and everything sort of lends to, um, Eddie and I were talking earlier, it reminds me a little bit of Blade of the Immortal meets mm-hmm. um, The Killer. Which is, uh, I think, another Oni book. Um, like as you're going through the story, like it feels, you get the feeling that they're out in the middle of nowhere. Sand eaters. Sand, Sand eaters? eaters. There we go. Okay. But uh, so I, I really enjoyed the story of following um, Michael, and like it reminds. There's an old, <laughs> there's an old game called Gorkamorka, <laughs> it takes place on a desert planet. And this calls back to that in my mind, and I don't know why. Mm. Maybe it's just the, the desert setting. It's a very Mad Max-ish the caravan, to a Yeah, the caravan, yeah, definitely. maybe. Um, it could be. Um, and it does everything right that it's supposed to about atmosphere. Mm-hmm. Mm. Absolutely. I just It knocks it out of the park.
3: Um, the sun-causing nosebleeds is, like, awesome. Yeah. yeah. It's like, it's like damn, sun nosebleeds.
0: <laughs> I, I can regenerate my arms, but this nosebleed. I can't stop my nosebleed, Yeah. <laughs> Well, I think that's kind of the – I actually really enjoyed that because that was their, um, like their giveaway of the people who have the powers, yeah. which are very few and far between in this book. It's uh, Abby and Michael, Michael happen to be the two yep. people that have some sort of like magical abilities that allow them it's to – It's the force, but go ahead. Yeah, yeah basically.
2: <laughs> <laughs> you're, you're just going to run with this. Well, so you?
3: I'm going to tell you. So Andy gets that feel. I read it. I got the feel of uh, Star Wars, um, the Bible – right i got a feel of that no it, it, i'm going to tell you why so it was the star wars the bible and like dune like mm. like kind of like very little but like just
0: just enough to kind of yeah give I, can, me the, I i guess i can kind of see that the, except for the fact that um, michael doesn't turn into a giant worm at the end yes. well dune is also um there's much more uh Humongous corporations and giant yeah. aristocracy in yeah. Dune, whereas this is like a an actually ruined world, yes, and yes, there's nothing. Yes. And in the grand scheme of sci-fi, mm-hmm. the the power players in this book are small time compared to yeah. something like Dune, where they're like they're literally like legions of planets, yeah. right? Yeah, that's true.
3: true. But um. It, those That's how I got to play. Obviously, you know, you keep hearing me. There's a lot of Star Wars references, and I'm able to make, like, comparisons to. So here's my thing about the Bible. So, like, in maybe the third book, <laughs> the second book, right? They talk about the son, like, mother, father, son, and mother, moon, or whatever. Other way the around. Se- mother, second, son mother, son, and sons, father, moon. Mother, okay,
0: son. So
1: we're talking about the second book of Wasteland, not, not the, the second, second book, book of, of the, the Bible. Bible.
3: <laughs> <laughs> Which is Exodus, right? Correctly? Yeah. Genesis, Exodus, right? Okay. So, anyway. So. It's really funny because they, they at the one point they talk about how they gave their son, right, the, the 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 son of the mother son and the father moon to the world, and they pretty much like killed it. They just they crucified it, in my eyes, and I'm like, well, wow, that's like yeah. very similar to like a Jesus, oh well, yeah, concept or whatever, and. Very similar to a lot of other concepts of, of like, old stories or ancient Egyptian story, like, field philosophies and stuff like that. Two all-powerful beings give the earth a gift. And, of course, us as dumb humans, we don't know what to do with it or we fear it or whatever. We kill fucking it. destroy it or kill it or maim it or rape it or pillage it. Whatever, whatever, right? And and, and then they rain fire pretty much down on the earth. They, Sodom, destroy, they, they dis-
0: destroy us for our for sins. For our sins,
3: Sodom and Gomorrah, right? To mm-hmm. let
0: people know... Why did you fuck with us? Exactly, yeah.
3: and then there's a point where they say we will we will give you back everything that we have taken, right? Once you prove yourself, mm-hmm. once you have redeemed yourself, which is pretty much isn't that the story of like the apocalypse? That's like well, once I don't
0: it, I don't think that this to be honest I don't think that's a subtle I don't think that is meant to be a subtle association. It's the religion is a huge part of oh, this it. Book. It is. Yeah. It's a huge yeah, part. So, it's a huge part. And yeah. they even talk about like. Um, how uh the uh marcus the f- the lord founder yeah. has basically presented himself as if not directly a god um Clothed a direct avatar, avatar of a god for the gods, right um and that's the competing um, the competing religion effectively right. that's this is the it's it is very much a christianity versus paganism yep, allegory sure. right where sure. you have these you know you have the sun the sun worshipers the sunners yeah. um who are kind of the uh there there seem to be more of them but they b- but because not- they're but because they're not Power hungry, I right, guess. Exactly. They're, they kind of get overrun by the, right. the they, people they who are under Marcus's right. They church. have
3: strength in numbers, but it seems like the factions are still divided.
0: Yeah, factions the, are divided, and they're not like it's. It's they're much more into just living their lives yeah, by their decree. Exactly, yeah. they, don't wanna, you know, they don't want to, you know, take so it's, over everything. Anything. So it's a very. I mean, it is definitely a very strong Christian versus for, overtaking pagan religions yeah. kind of cal- allegory.
3: For, for so. the listeners, Marcus, the Lord Founder. If if you've ever played uh, Blaze Blue, is extremely, uh, extremely looks like a character in that game called New, who has a similar backstory as being an avatar of God. Very, it's, 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 huh. it's yeah, it's very weird. But that, I'm able to, I Boys draw. Blaze Blue came
0: after this, though, I think. So the original Blaze Blue. also so, mm-hmm. oh, so Arc
3: so Systems is uh, probably somebody read this. And, an homage to, yep, this, an character, homage to this character, possibly. Wow. Very, very, very similar. Um, that there was other comparisons I was able to draw to um oh god. It's a similar it's uh it was something similar to Mad Max. Well, the character, it's uh okay seriously. <laughs> Cowboys and Aliens. Mm. Here's why. So we we in Cowboys and Aliens you come across the character who wakes up, it's like the 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 Bond or whatever wakes up and he's in the middle of the desert, blah blah blah, doesn't really know what's going on. But, like, Michael, and immediately in the beginning of the movie, what does he do? He fights. He has to fend for his life. Mm-hmm. And, I, and this is a – I think this is a common theme in a lot of stuff where the character, either either conscious or unconsciously, they introduce you to the character by ha- putting the character in a really, really fucked up situation. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And the, my first inclination I had to figure out when I was, like, in the first book, Did he levitate that rock? And I was like, oh, yeah, he levitated this rock, used it to bash the dude's skull open, and then he kills him. So I just thought that was really, really cool. It was a a good introduction to
0: what you're going to get What you're going to get, exactly. You you get introduced to to a lot of stuff very quickly in that first issue. You get introduced to...
1: Because it's a perilous situation, you don't stop to think about it because you know the actions going on it's like oh he can levitate rocks okay obviously because you're going <laughs> to the next you know yep part. and you just move along yeah, and, just, and just it's like, like that <laughs> is, that's how going. this works and that's like in my opinion one of the best ways to handle i something. thought it was it's awesome completely no, I, you know i world. thought it
3: was awesome he was in a situation but I, now i can't believe it's like well does is his power triggered at is his power triggered by him being in a in an event where it's a life and death situation because he kills them with knives he doesn't use his ability at all and then, when he's in a situation where it's life or death, he uses his ability. He does this again when a guy threatens him with a knife. Well, a- that's and a- it's like, so it's like, how, what is. That's can he just do it at will, or is it triggered by... Well, he can,
2: but they, they kind of explain that whenever he does, it's a big stress on his system because he his, he kno- his nose bleeds. Yeah, yeah he nose knows exactly. Bleeds. So it's something that you don't want to use all the time, or like scanners, your head... Well, it's like blow. the awesomes where when, when scanners, proc stops time... Yes.
3: It's like the awesomes where proc stops time, his nose bleeds. But yeah, know, if you've, so, you've ever seen the awesomes.
2: So there's...
0: it is a, it's a It's a fairly... Normal or typical conceit of post-apocalyptic stories to start off the story uh, by following a wanderer and saying, you know, Mad Max did it. uh, Book of Eli. We were talking about The Road. Like all of these stories that that like that's how you kind of you set up that that desolate feel, right? The world by showing someone who's just alone right yep. they're alone in this world and they choose to be, and they choose and it's right. because of their choice. choice um and i i agree with you the introduction to michael and the way that they did it they it establishes some very th- awesome parts of this world all right in an order yeah it establishes right on the first page everything's desolate you're in a desert you're, you know, there's. that's the world mm-hmm. you're going to be looking at. Um, it establishes him as a scavenger. Yep. Then it establishes one of the major threats in the world, one of the major non-human threats or in the world. Or subhuman, yeah. It establishes his magic. Yep. And then the moment he mo- shows up in the town, it establishes that he's not alone in his magic and establishes the basics of the religious... Underpinnings of one of the religions in the book, yep. and it does all of that so efficiently. It establishes in that first in those first Seamless few issues. issues. It, it establishes even establishes the economic system of the world.
3: Yep. Currency, trade, barter. You know how you get things, how you come about things, and you know, as what's goes, rare,
0: what's not rare, and as this story goes, and like I said, I read through the first twelve issues. As this story goes, they do a great job of um, adding complication in ways that doesn't feel artificial. Mm. Like, you know, they, they introduce you to things that... Um, they introduce you to the other religions, the other major conflicts. Mm-hmm. They introduce you to the difference between, you know, fending for yourself in a city or versus fending for yourself out in a little town in the yep. waste. Mm-hmm. Um, and the complications of the politics that that happen when you get into a larger group of people. Yep. And that, that's... Again, that's another conceit of of apocalyptic stories is the idea that small groups of people are capable of fending for themselves because they have the group's interest in mind. Right, yeah. But as those groups of people grow larger and larger and congregate into people a larger... Sep- people separate into different They factions. start separating yeah. into factions and then politics becomes an issue mm-hmm. and then, um, especially once they've built something that allows them some relative modicum of safety, yep. now, they, now that they don't have to concentrate on not getting killed by sand eaters, yep. now they have all this other shit that they... That St- worry about. internal conflict and people start worrying ab- again start worrying about power over others rather right. than their own survival we yep. also we also over
3: time get the inclination that michael's been wandering for a long time because he has a connection with the sultan from the caravan yeah mm-hmm. um he's also kind of known like other people know of him like they've come yep. in contact with him so uh you know, there's a the, yeah, the backstory is kind of already inferred. It's, it's, it's kind of already there. You, you know that he's been around. And he, even uh, when he's talking to Abby, she says, Well, how long have you been doing this? He's like, I can't even remember. Yeah. Like he's been, and that, that also gives me an inclination that people, for some reason, certain people live a lot longer than others because he talks yep. to Grizz and he's like, Well, how old are you? He's like, I'm 50. He's like, Well, not many people make it past 50. Mm-hmm. And then that infers that every time he's gotten sick or something's happened,
0: the Abby has healed him. And then you find out that you find out later that some of them are even put, like Marcus and Marcus and Michael are Eight part, years. potentially yeah. like way o- like way- old enough to have either experienced or come very close to experiencing the apocalypse that yes. destroyed the world in the first place. Exactly. Yeah. So yeah.
3: we've we've got maybe a, a hint of some people being semi pseudo-, pseudo immortal. Yeah. Yeah.
0: yeah. Mm. I am. I am very impressed with how this how the story unfolds in this book. Just it like it, it's it's kind of a weird thing for me because I've read a lot of stuff lately where sometimes there there's like story twists and things that feel very contrived for the sake of causing drama where they they couldn't think of anything better to do. But yeah. the flow of this is but superb. This it's seamless. So it's it flows so well. And yeah. it was—it's funny because when I was first looking at this book, the first few times I looked at this book, I liked the artwork. I, the apocalyptic edition is a beautiful hardcover, so I was like, "Wow!" You know, I—I I get drawn in by hardcover comic books really like a lot, and I like—I love having hardcovers. I love having them on my shelf. I do too. And, I agree with you. And so I will see hardcovers and be and. Even if I know it's a bad comic, if it's a well-presented hardcover, I'm still kind of like, Ooh.
3: yep, yep. <laughs> you I, know, I I agree. It looks there's um, something about it because um, holy terror. Something about being in your no. like in your like in your collection and looking at your collection. You see your softcover trays, you see your hardcover trades, right. and you're just like, wow, those hardcover trades are
0: really <laughs> fucking sexy. So I was looking at. I've been looking at this book literally for two years. I keep seeing it, and I'm like, uh, and and every time I opened it up. It sounds strange, but looking at the artwork and and the black and white inside, which I'm not going to rag on now because it actually works really well for the book. But when I was looking at it, I was like, "Uh, I'm not not sure if this is something I would be interested in. And when I finally, um, after looking at it for two years straight, and my wife and I were standing at the Oni Press booth and we're like, let's just fucking buy it. Let's just buy it. So we bought it, and I finally got around to reading it and um, have just been like, I I just got sucked right in. I was right. like, it's I started solid, reading isn't it? it. I started reading it and finished it in. I finished.
1: <laughs> oh, That was Bloody. amazing. Yeah, listeners uh, at
0: home be so happy that he managed
1: to turn his head away from the mic. I finished
0: wow. it. In, I finished ten issues in one night and then finished the last two the next morning. Yeah, and it's. It's just, it's just, it's so engrossing. Like they, they do such a good job of their world building in this book, um, and they reinforce it all—not just with the writing, yeah. but with the artwork and the way that it's like the—they the, just reinforce every every um, all the underpinnings of their of their world and their history so well. You suggested this, Joel, and you've yeah. hardly said anything about it.
2: Well, because I was letting you guys get it all out, get it all out of you. Because how I had found this book is, is that they were having a special on, on comiXology. It was like a free, the first issue was for free, hmm. right? And I was like, oh, I'll, I'll take stuff for free because I'm brown stuff. And most of the stuff that's, that's free is, is shit, and maybe that's the reason why. Why you threw it
3: threw it over your shoulder? Yeah. Why you Simonized, Simonized it? Simonized. <laughs> but this one, I read it and I was like, okay, it's it's it, po- passed, po- it passed the Simon test. Yeah, it, it passed the, litmus, the Simon the test. Simon Litness test.
2: And, and I read the the first issue and it was post apocalyptic, which I I really enjoy that kind of stuff. you no, know, from Fallout all the way to, you're, you're, to you're wasteland. And Joel's like, like, in this
3: movie. book, everyone just throws the comics away. That's yeah. why it's an apocalypse. You're
1: oh God, be, I
2: so it's basically. So basically,
3: when mm-hmm. Mad Max happens, you're gonna be the guy in the Jason mask in the SM suit riding around on the dune buggy. Yeah. Wait. <laughs> no. You laugh
1: as if you won't be the person strapped to the front of the dune buggy. <laughs> <laughs>
3: yes. Well done. You're right. Uh-oh. Yes! Yes, bring it on.
2: Ah! Oh. All right. Let's <laughs> and so anyway, so and and I I read and I was like oh this is actually pretty good and they were having a sale on the, the first six Actu- issues actually I, so I'm sure I bought,
0: I'm sure the creators of comic books love hearing the phrase oh it's actually pretty good it's <laughs> uh, yeah hey uh, despite front. everything that hey. it looked like uh, hey. I, figured it, it, hey. I figured it would hey.
3: be shit but I was Give surprised me. hey, <laughs> hey. <Okay>. good lord <laughs> uh, okay so all right. Uh. so I
2: know no, maybe, maybe that's the thing is I just Simonize a lot of stuff um, no it was it was pretty good so I, I kept on reading it and I got the other issues I'm like wow this is it's a fully realized world and that's the one thing that I really enjoyed about it because at, it, it, at the end of each issue there's this tale from a wanderer another wanderer that's wandering the waste and he, it kind of fleshes out the entire world because at first you think okay it's this desolous, desolate world and everybody's living at these little outposts where they can barely scrape by and then Later on, you realize, oh wait, no, there's a bigger society where there's big cities where people are put together, and there's a despot there because that's what usually happens when there's chaos that somebody will come come take to power. the top. Yeah, take power, come to the top, and rule with an iron fist. And so it's like, okay, there's this part of it, and then there's also these random these random dangers out there, like sand eaters or the uh, the shamblers from the one city with the the dwellers dwellers dwellers. dwellers, thank you
0: in the pre-cities which the The pre-cities are the cities of before the apocalypse yes so and they never and they never really
2: explain in this mythos what the apocalypse was but it kind of seems like it was a nuclear holocaust because the they call it the big wet the big wet though so well from a nuclear holocaust it could have been flooding from the polar ice caps yep Mm, flooding you never know rain fire um, yeah so so there's that there's a mythos because you know, when c- civilization is desolated, that you have to start from scratch. And when you start from scratch, you usually get stuff wrong, like a game of telephone. And so that's how this, this whole god mythos of mother son and father well moon.
3: And a lot of things become uh metaphors to things yeah. so the mother son could have been one nation father moon could have been another nation yeah it could have yeah, you, like when
2: you try to explain the internet in a series of tubes or <laughs> or that kind of stuff with, with people who don't have electricity yeah. they're not going to understand like, what, what are you talking what the hell that is well it's in
3: the in the first issue where that where he starts up that electronic device and they're yeah. like huh,
0: what, what the what and it's the, speaking in a language yeah, that, that they don't apparently know apparently it's dead some people understand and some people yeah. don't
2: yeah yeah and then then, on top of that, you have so like Luke, like you were saying that there's there's all these series of problems where hey you're just trying to survive, you're Michael through the desert, sand eaters are trying to eat you, uh but he has an upper hand, then you get to this outpost, and this outpost is trying to survive, but then the sand eaters wipe them out, and then they make it they finally make it to the big city, and you the big city has a whole different type of problem because they're not trying to survive anymore, but they're looking for a labor force in order to build this railroad. Mm-hmm. That that will make them, you know, the ultimate city increase their trade. So, how do you get this this workforce to work for you? Uh, well, you you have slaves. Okay, so that's
0: where our recording <laughs> ended. That is uh, uh, when I was when I was copying when I was copying the recording over. Something happened, and I think something happened on the original recording device that. Uh, the entire length of the recording was there, but it was just it just stopped. It Just stopped making noise. We just Simonized ten <laughs> percent of the recording. Simonized <laughs> like ten minutes of the recording. It was um, it was unfortunate. We we continued to talk for about another. F- I think it was about seven to ten minutes about the book about Into how much cloud. we liked it and stuff. So uh, I think what what Eddie and I are going to do is kind of touch on some of the subjects that we talked about um in that missing segment, and the first of which uh, that I want to talk about is the artwork in this book.
3: I I particularly really enjoy the artwork. I it gives it gives me the feel of the book as not just I'm just not reading it. I'm actually taking part in it. I'm actually mm-hmm. there. I I get a a very good feeling of the or a very good idea or picture of the world of exactly how the world is is what it, how it exists. Mm-hmm. Um different elements in the world. The and I believe this is a perfect story to be done in black and white. And I, and I know you said multiple times that like, you'd really like to see it in color. I would. But, I mean, but, like the, the black and white, I think is perfect for this field. I mean, because you know, whenever I think of colors, I usually think of, you know, pretty, especially depending on the colors that are used, you know, pretty happy times, this and that. And it's like black and white, I'm really thinking, like, hey, this is really a crappy planet that they're on, <laughs> <laughs> and it should be, it should be crappy as such. At no point should you think there's a rainbow gonna freaking fly it's across. Same, this. same with Walking Dead. Yeah, right? exactly. It's, just, it's black and white because yeah. you know we don't we don't, want color here. <laughs> we don't want color it, here. It
0: really sucks. Exactly. Yeah, i I would like to see it colored um, by a talented colorist. Yeah. Uh, you know, like, like I. In fact, I posted to to Twitter just the other day that um i had bought a bunch of marvel or a bunch of image books this week and um and it was i had actually bought these since we recorded the original right. segment of this show uh and it seems like every fucking image book right now and most of the books that i read are colored by jordi belair yeah uh and i would love to see jordi belair take a crack at coloring this book um i know andy and i had discussed uh, uh um also um Shari Chankama, who's the, the colorist on Sheltered, mm. uh, because she does some really she does some really awesome things. The Sheltered is like the setting is Sheltered is all takes place in the snow basically, mm-hmm. so it's not the desert. But Shari Chankama does some really interesting things with the way she colors the book to mm. make to give you that impression of like a lot of times you know you know she'll have there'll be people outside and like she she'll put little bits of like red in their cheeks and the tip of their mm. nose to show that they're cold they're and cold, that kind yeah. of stuff and things that. Things that are very subtle, but didn't, but you do you wouldn't think about unless you're like really looking at it. Right. But you're right. I, I love the black and white. I think it looks gorgeous, and mm-hmm. it's great for the feel of this book. Did yeah. this uh, this particular edition? Did it
3: come with? Because uh, I know Walking Dead. Like when you buy the annuals, the hardcover annuals, mm-hmm. at the end, they do give you certain pages out of the book, like in color, and you see them in full color. You get more of a no. They this just,
1: this, okay, this, no, this is okay. No, this is entirely in black and white. Okay. Um,
0: and uh it's got so the the wasteland edition that we've got here also has um a bonus story that was drawn by um it was it was kind of a side story mm-hmm. an interlude and it was drawn by um oh fuck what's her name um oh god I'm Carlos Speed McNeil that's who it okay. is she she did a um oh no I'm not going to remember the name of the book that she does <laughs> fuck she did she she's got two um She's got a two-volume set right now. This this comic book that she's been doing that's like won Eisner Awards, and I'm and I'm blanking on the name of it. But um, her art's really good. The story is actually takes takes place centered around the um, the uh, William the the aristocrat guy that helps them through the sewers oh, okay, okay um and kind of takes place around his his kind of side story with uh some people that he was trying to help right. out and, and him getting kind of fucked over by one of the guardsmen uh, um but anyway the that all that aside the i think you're right like the artwork in this book both the black and white feel and the style of the artwork really kind of like hammer home that that uh, (laughs) post-apocalyptic feel right it lets you know exactly how shitty this situation
3: is yeah i mean it's just there's one of my one of my favorite um favorite portraits in in the book is uh so there's a part that during during the middle of the night uh grizz goes i guess he was drinking but he gets he gets curious and he goes around he starts opening up uh or checking the caravans after the sultan particularly said like stay away from my shit mm-hmm. um and he gets he gets he gets caught but not before he uh not before he figures out they're just children basically locked right. inside this caravan mm-hmm. well that that particular uh, layout and then i think it's probably about 10 pages later when they finally figure out what happened to grizz he's tied up to a post mm-hmm. but he's dead and they don't really realize he's dead but um, from the the not the sheriff but the healer and William and the way they're looking at it and the way they're perceiving it mm-hmm. it just seems so lifelike as though as as the way you would perceive it if you were actually there and I th- I think it takes a really talented artist to touch on that because sometimes you you have to realize that uh, when I'm when a person is reading. The, you want you want sometimes you want to portray something you want them to see it through the main character's eyes or you know the mm-hmm. the you know the protagonist the antagonist or supporting character you want to try to see it through their eyes and you know, not every artist does that particularly well it always some you know the lot of artists it's always as if you were another person there just sure. looking just you know just a, a passerby or or you know a or a bystander just kind of gazing upon the the happenings right but uh, this book does a really good job of giving you, you know, Michael's perception, the healer's perception, Grizz's perception, yeah. like just different perceptions from different people's
0: points of view. Yeah, I I totally agree, and I and I I, I like that segment that you were talking about too, because the I it this sounds really strange, but um, when they find Grizz and he's tied up, and there's the other person tied up, and yeah. they're bait for the dwellers, right. basically. Uh, it's. When ever when the when the group comes out and they see Grizz and he's tied up and they're like Grizz Grizz and they they don't know he's dead and right. they they only you know realize it for some reason that just like that caught me is really cool because it would it would have been something that I never would have thought of of putting into the story just that that one little moment where they thought he was alive yeah. and they ran out to go find to go yeah. help him and then find out that he's dead and it um it's like this kind of gut punch for the main characters right where they're just like it's a trap it's a trap yeah yeah right (laughs) and that's also where you know that's that was the first or i guess the second major peril that the story portrayed That the and that's this is another thing that they do in a a lot of um post-apocalyptic and that they did absolutely perfectly in this one was indeed they have the first the first danger was the sand eaters right and they got fucked by the sand eaters and they got their city burned down and they're now they're on the run the second danger um beyond environmental dangers and stuff is always other people yep so and this was a brilliant reveal for the the first set of like how other people are going to fuck the Oh right. Over, That's a staple in any you know? in any post
3: apocalyptic book. I mean if you're talking Wasteland, if you're talking Walking Dead, mm-hmm. um several you know, several other books, uh that the the biggest danger, you know, is usually not that not that clear and present in front of you danger. It's right. always other people. Yeah. You know it's uh, and that's why I know specifically, you know, Michael, they ask him, uh, I think it's the healer asks, uh, inquires as to why he travels alone or something like that. And I think he mentions that, like, you know, like other people aren't trustworthy yeah, yeah. for you to just continuously travel with them. Mm-hmm. I mean, even when they come upon the Sultan, you know, the, the back and forth banter between him and the Sultan implies that Michael's fucked the Sultan over before. <laughs> yeah. But for some reason, he's kind of, I guess, you know, they make a deal, but... You know, that right there just proves that alliances are not easily formed and, and if they are formed, they're not easily
0: held on to right. And the relationship between him and the and the Sultan was one of mutual respect. Mutual respect. Even though they didn't like each, each other. other. Right. And exactly. they knew they didn't like each other. Yeah, I um I'm I'm really uh, when I first started reading the book, I wasn't—I was kind of iffy on the artwork, mm-hmm. um, and I think mostly it was because there are a couple of scenes in the beginning that are a little muddled. There's like—I um, mean, like, there's
3: there's there's—I I think we were talking about this. There are there are muddled scenes um, between a lot of the, sometimes in the, when you're in the uh, the, arist- the the aristocratic city there's New like begin. old guys like sometimes like are kind of like yeah yeah like well that old guy
0: and know. i and i think some of the action sequences in the very early issues of the book kind of got a I th- little i think they were meant to be
3: cluttered like that just to show you the 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 calamity like yeah. you know just what's just going it's just like this is not it's not scripted it's you know this is raw just the the sand eaters are savages, and mm-hmm. Michael is really fighting for his life. I, I that's what I got. I got that it was meant to be like that. It was mm-hmm. meant to
0: show that this was turmoil. That's possible. I am, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna discount that idea. It just um, it it took me back a little bit uh, in the early issues. It got better. It, I mean, in fact, uh, Christopher Mitten's artwork over the course. So I read the first twelve issues over the course of that first twelve issues. You can see a marked improvement in his artwork as the comic goes well, I mean, on maybe he just got more comfortable oh absolutely I mean? yeah, he, he just, gets more, know, comfortable, he just gets with more comfortable with the and characters and the style and, what and what everything to do and, stuff. I mean, and that happens i've seen that happen in a lot of I've, other books yeah, like definitely um we talked about this on our fear agent episode that Jerome pena when he first started coming on and drawing fear agent stuff um i didn't really like his art that much mm-hmm. but over the course of fear agent as he was you know kind of kind of fill filling in and and doing more issues he grew and his artwork got a lot better right. and i mean that's that's the same thing happened with ryan otley and invincible right. and and it's great to see because like by the time you get to the uh you know the middle of this book and toward the 12th issue like Everything is nailed down, oh, right? Yeah. I mean, it was already pretty close to nailed down at the beginning, but th- once you get there, this the art style is just is just spot right. on for the feel of I this mean, book I, and right, for the I'm way. Sure that, as an artist, he gets more comfortable with the writer of what like the mm-hmm. writer is trying to convey, is that, I mean, he has general. a really good sense too for making for some of the choices of of like how he. Angle the angles he shows things right, from, or definitely. the things he shows in a scene that he might not be focusing on the, the core uh, center of the scene, but right. he'll show you the things that that make it more interesting. Right. Uh, it's just, I, it's yeah, I I really I really enjoy the artwork in this book. I think um, it took me a while to warm up to it, but once I did, and once he, you know, once things kind of settled and he got a little more comfortable with it, man, it is it is just it's a phenomenal looking book. Um, so. We're gonna redo buy borrow burn, uh, and I think we both know the answer um, to solid this. Buy. Solid, solid buy, solid um, buy, I, and I, I will say
3: the the um, was this the apocalyptic, apocalyptic edition. The yeah. apocalyptic edition. This is a beautiful hardcover. It's definitely worth it. It's definitely worth shelling out the money to get to get it. Uh, I mean. I've got some nice hardcovers, but that <laughs> Yeah.
0: That's the Lexus of hardcovers yeah. <laughs> I'm in the same way. I'm a solid buy and I would wholeheartedly suggest going out and getting the the apocalyptic edition. In fact the third um the apocalyptic edition volume 3 just came out uh this last Wednesday since yeah. you know between our original recording and the one we're doing right now. Right. Um and I I had just read that the um there's two things I wanted to clarify. One, we did figure out that the the first issue of this comic actually came out in 2006, which surprised me because I didn't realize it was quite it had been going for quite that long. Right. Um so it's been going since 2006 uh and it's supposed to run for 60 issues total. Okay so it looks like the you know the hard co- if it c- continues to come out in apocalyptic edition hardcovers so you get five, me, volumes. There'll probably be five five volumes, volumes. or so but it is also available in normal uh, softcover trades. Right. Um, it is available on Comixology mm-hmm. digitally. Uh, individual and, issues. And if you can find the individual issues, those are av- available. But frankly, get the, the Apocalyptic Edition is just a phenomenal way to get this book. And one last thing. In our original recording, uh, both Andy and Joel were also solid buys on solid this book, buy. which actually makes this – the, um, only the second book after uh, Stumptown last time, Stumptown. that was a unanimous buy. Um, everybody <laughs> buys, no borrows, definitely no burns. Um, so yeah, go out and pick this up. This is a freaking great book. Yo, bust
2: some
0: rhymes.
3: Bust wait, rhymes. Come on, the like joy, wait.
2: The Jets beat the Patriots. What? By three
3: points,
0: 30-27, so you know it was the last second field goal.
4: Holy shit.
0: All right, so just to let everybody know, there's going to be a a sort of a hiatus on this show. I mean, it would be the equivalent of us missing one episode because uh, we do this every two weeks, uh, but we are not going to be recording another episode until November 23rd because I am going to be out on vacation for three and a half weeks. I leave, I leave next Sunday, and I come back on the 20th of November. And since I'm the guy that uh, does the editing, and edits the posting. and produces D- and publishes thing. the show. Uh, also, Joel and I will be gone. Yeah. and Joel, Joel and Andy will be gone for a little while. Nope. So we're going to take we are going to take a short hiatus. Um, I'm really glad that Wasteland was our book before our hiatus. So we could go out on a high note uh, before before we're gone for a month or so. Um But you can expect the the show should be recorded. The show will be recorded on the weekend of November twenty third, and then published shortly thereafter. Um, We're going to probably on that episode. We're going to start doing a couple of ideas that we had uh, for the show. Now that we are able to concentrate on it a little more. Now that after the fact is over, we're going to do start doing some like um, some more talk about upcoming books, uh, so that. You know, we can look at what's coming up the Wednesday after we publish the show, and kind of give some recommendations for what people should buy. Uh, and we will uh, we will be doing Promethea for for that episode. It's an Alan Moore book. Oh, I should have kept the
1: beard. That way, looked <laughs> like Alan Moore. You got a month to grow it back. The beard. But so. it would have been like I could get a, a pretty gnarly beard in a month. <laughs> Brr, kept the, the month of beard, and then put another month of beard on top of yeah, that. Well. It would have been a five person cast with my. Beard as the fifth member. Yeah, and it would
3: have been just. um You got to make sure you hide a fist behind that beard.
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh. Wow! All right. So anyway, drop the mic. Anyway, uh, it was a <laughs> unanimous buy for Wasteland. uh We will be back. We will be back at the end of November for our Promethea episode. Um, oh. So you guys uh, out there uh, again humongous thanks to Anthony Johnston for retweeting us and, and putting the word out about the show that we were going to record. Uh, I'm very grateful for that, even though we didn't get any responses. like Hopefully for the next show, uh, since you guys have a month to prepare for before we read Promethea, and Prometheus is a little bit of an older book, so... Um, hopefully a lot of people have read it and can ask us some questions and bring some comments to the show. And if you want to do that, you can email us at trade secrets at geekerific.com. You can go to www.geekerific.com and check out the show, check out our previous episodes, check out uh, episodes of our other podcasts uh, that just ended after the fact. Um, if you want to hit us up on Twitter, you can at Trade Secrets Pod. Uh, all of us are also on Twitter. Anne, who is not here today, is at AnneBeanTweets. She will hopefully, uh, when we come back, I know it's a it's kind of a kind of a long gap, but on our next episode, she'll hopefully have some uh, reports about GeekGirlCon and what happened there. What's your Twitter? GrapeDoctor. Doctor. The doctor is in. Eddie is at Grape
3: Doctor. Please send. Please, sem- please ask Superfly, me anything
1: at Superfly. Joel at Superfly. He's Superfly at Superfly. Superfly, Superfly at Superfly. At Superfly. Mm-hmm. Superfly at Superfly.com. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm at Math Tastrophe. That's M-A-T-H-T-A-S-T-R-O-P-H-Y.
0: I am at Geek Elite. F- uh, you can follow us all on Twitter. We do talk. Uh, Feel free to ask me a question. I
3: will answer anything, like pretty much seriously. Yeah, yeah me too. I've,
0: I've, <laughs> if, you ever wanted to, if you ever want to get a hold of any of us individually, Twitter is a good place I mean, to do it. You, know, yeah. uh, <laughs> you can also check out our Facebook page at Facebook.com slash Secrets Podcast. Uh, give us a like. Post questions, comments all there to both. the email address or Twitter. Please, uh, yes. Be part of the show. We will read just about any comment or uh, question, regardless of whether it's positive or not. I missed the That's a, a show. Happy
1: key Couple key the car. Yeah. yeah. Yep.
0: <laughs> so, so we will we will return to you in a month at the end of November. This has been episode fifty four of the Trade Secrets Podcast, all about Oni Press's Wasteland. Mm-hmm. Thank you, Eddie. You're welcome. Thank you, Andy. Kelsey, thank you, Joel. <laughs> so, I'm
1: I am Luke, and so. we're out. Working on making better, doing faster, excess hunger, all than ever. ever after our work is never over. Working powder, making better, doing faster, excess hunger,
4: all than ever.